Coming up, we're talking about what it takes to make a great season of Power Rangers. I'm Rhino. I'm Ken. And we are the Podcast Rangers. Rangers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Again, I am your host, Rhino, and then the other host would be Ken. That is me, the other. The other, yes. Um, and uh, yeah, today we're going to be talking about what we feel like are the, uh, the uh, Ken, what was the word you used? Integral? Integral? Integral. Integral? Now, it's like you say refrigerator too many times. Yeah, now it's a word. Now we've said it too much in talking before. I'm too afraid to say it because I know I'm going to say it wrong. I know the word integral, integral, integral. I can't. Now I don't know. So we're talking about things that make a great season of powering. Just broad brush strokes of what we feel like goes in. Like, what is it about it that makes it a memorable season? You know, it's a it's a recipe. You know that sometimes they get right and sometimes they get it horribly wrong. <coughs> Megaforce. <coughs> Super Megaforce. Oh, sorry. Something stuck in my ninja steel throat. Sorry. Um, Allergies. Um, yeah. It's this weird thing. So happened. like, yeah, what's the foundation? Is it a sturdy foundation or is it like something that's built on straw? And how is that going to affect the overall season? Are you going to want to watch it for 40 episodes or none episodes? Operation Overdrive. Yeah. So should we dive right in? Uh, I believe so. That would be the best course of action. All right. Put on your life vest because here we go. We're jumping in the pool. Deep end. Number one here, we have story. These are in no particular order. We just kind of wrote them down. But the first first and foremost, we felt like story is it sounds like something so obvious. We're like, yeah, duh, story. But what is it about the story, you know, that works so well in some of these seasons that we love? You know, um, I I. I have uh, some good examples and some bad examples, as does Ken. And I, you know, I, I feel like it's universally accepted that In Space and Time Force are some of the best seasons of Power Rangers. Um, and what is it, though, about those stories that, that, that they work so well? And yeah. my... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go, go, go. I was just going to say is that I think Sorry. it's a I, th- I think it's a balance of being both broad but specific. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, I and I I I'll I'll start with uh with Time Force really is that you know we're kind of the real the real motivator in that season that really kicks off the action is that it starts and right away, they're just like, there's this guy in the future, this bad guy, that's like a criminal. And you have the, uh, the time force that are the, uh, the enforcers of peace that are there. And he kills, you know, Wes or not Wes. I'm sorry. He kills Alex and, uh, Jen wants her revenge. So she goes after him with her, the, her group that she's in, in charge of, and they go back to the past and they're stuck there in the past in the year 2001 uh, dealing with this villain that's gotten away, you know, and that's kind of the, that's the start and the motivator. And I feel like we've seen seasons of power Rangers where that would be it. You know, that would be the whole thing Mm -hmm. where they'd be like, okay, well these are, you know, at the, at this core level, these are, uh, you know, the, the people from the future trying to get a criminal back to, back to where he, the time where he belongs, you know, before he disrupts all of history, you know, and, Mm -hmm. But but 
as the show goes on, it's more than that because it's, it's, it's about, you know, it is about this, this one ranger that feels this loss, but also now she's kind of lost in her life because, you know, she meets somebody that shows her there's so much more to life than what she thought there was before. But then, you know, by the time we get to the finale and she's finally has the opportunity to apprehend Rancic, you know, we've learned along the way, a lot of things are present in the season. You know, it's about, it's about prejudice, you know, it's about, it's about, um, profiling it's about all this sort of stuff because it's it's about a system of of supposed perfection that rather than treating you know the things that aren't perfect and helping those become perfect they toss them aside you know and so it it becomes you know rancic is a product of the society that the time force are there you know that are that are a part of and um, genetic ma- manipulation and all that sort of stuff. Cause there's that episode where all the babies are like in the, um, like, uh, carry, carry on. I don't know what they're called. The car seats or whatever There's They're going down the convention line and, you know, and you can pick out the genetics so the babies can have like whatever color eyes or hair color, or any of that stuff that you want it to have. And, you know, Rancic was just kind of the goo that survived in the, in the sewer. But then like Rancic also, you know, he turns that hate back on somebody that helps him with fracks and and all that sort of stuff. And so in the end, it kind of becomes about the cycle of hate and how that, uh, you know, how that can eat you alive and how do you come back from that? And that so it becomes so much more deeper. And then I always think about that episode where Trip, everyone's trying to stop that one, the one mutant. And it's not the mutant isn't actually a bad guy. It's mm-hmm. just, but they're stopping him because he's a mutant. So I always think that was such an important episode, it's, and it's crazy how much more. Th- I'm as whereas we're talking about it right now, I feel like that season is so much even more relevant now than it was then. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's such an early example of like introducing children to the idea of like gray areas and how everything isn't just like this strict like by the rules. Like this is going to be like set in stone, right? There's right and there's yeah. wrong, and there's like what if there is this idea of gray area like there's you know someone like you know what trip is trying to do is is seemingly like the other rangers are like no you're wrong this we do this he had he had to make a stand against the others and their firm belief and Mm -hmm. i i think that episode's a nice little encapsulation of what happens too it's kind of like what happens when you're presented with new information you know do you take that information do you do you think about it do you ruminate on it and then you know you come back you know and and do you confront your own bias you know and then say maybe i'm wrong well i mean i agree with uh the time force stuff that's i think collectively one of our our favorite seasons in general but like to talk about some other things like about overall story the idea of like conflict for the entirety of a season and how Mm -hmm. that might like it's it's got to be something that can catch you early on, right? Like with um, Mighty yeah. Morphin, if we think about that, like it's because it was the first episode, the pilot, they have to catch all of these very young viewers immediately, like tell them the stakes. This is what they are. Okay. And then they're going to build on that. And then they get into growing and developing these characters uh, and the viewers are still interested and invested, but then they can get invested in more. So when they introduce someone like Tommy, and the children, the, the evil the viewers, ranger, yeah, right. The the viewers have this idea, like very clear guidelines of like, okay, these are the good guys, these are the bad guys. 
And it's like, well, he looks exactly like them. Like he's a ranger. So why would he be a bad guy? Mm -hmm. And so they're going through that same sort of like realization as the characters in the show. Um, And I think that is, is kind of a very interesting way to handle that, especially for the first season. Yeah. And I think um, you kind of touched on something here too, because that is sometimes that's a pretty, you know, that's a recurring thing an evil power ranger, you know, Still, Mm -hmm. still, you know, you make reference to Tommy and the Green Ranger, and that is a big deal because, you know, like you said in the beginning, it starts out very basic. Like, Rita's found, and it's like, destroy the nearest planet, and we only learn later, you know, okay, well, there's this, like, beef with her and Zordon and whatever, and then when finally you've got, you know, as a child, because it's a brand new show at that point, you've got the, uh, the, the, like... There's a hook. Yeah, you've got the thing down where you're like, okay... This evil person on the moon is sending a monster. These kids in high school are morphing and they're stopping the monster. You know, when you finally have that pattern down, then they're like, well, here's the twist. Now there's one that looks exactly like them. And it's a, you know, it's one of them. Well, what happens now? You know, it, it kind of kept it on its toes too, you know, mm-hmm. it added and, that nice level of mystery, but danger, you know? Right. And the, also the idea of like having legitimate consequences for things like, it, it can have consequences and, and have an overall theme throughout a, a series, but it doesn't have to be like dour either. I think you see that a yeah. lot now where like TV shows can have like consequences and they, they want to like have people invested in characters, but they also want to have it be very bleak. And I feel like with Power Rangers, you can get away with having uh, kind of playful moments and as well as, uh, you know, these kind of, tangible consequences i think the first season of power rangers handles that very well time force definitely in space for sure oh yeah 100 um, there's yeah. things that run through them uh throughout the entirety of the, the each of those seasons um but it doesn't like hamper it in any way uh it also doesn't make it like overly dramatic it doesn't make it depressing um, well and it also it, it, it it's accessible still mm-hmm. you know um and you talk about consequences too what i what i really enjoy you know and people, you know, say this like it, it, it really wasn't it really, it was in space that really started that first kind of really season long story arc, but with mini- individual story arcs within it as well. Mm-hmm. But like, you you know, you just talked about consequences, you know, Power Rangers like Mighty Morphin is, you know, in season one, just in season one, you know, it's like what you just said. We met an evil Power Ranger. OK, and they turned him to good. And then he loses his powers because the Power Rangers are unable to stop the the bad guys from coming back. And, you know, at the time you're like, oh, he lost that Ranger. And then when he does eventually come back, the consequence of that is that he's not as powerful. His powers do not work. You know, so it was it did. It was a ongoing consequence of the events that had happened, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, you, you bring that up. It's an interesting point. I don't know how often consequences often stick to the story for as long as they did with something like that, you know? Right. Cause that, or that, how, that, how that, much that, we see consequences at all in any of like some of the later seasons. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I would, I would argue, you know, you did say in space and time force, maybe that's one of the things why they, why these seasons are so memorable or even RPM. They deal with, there are consequences within that show, you know, consequences mm-hmm. in time force of like having the timeline changed or, um, you know, the hate, like the circle of hate or like in space, you know, getting astronomer back, but then losing her, you know, and then Zordon, what it takes to finally finish this fight is sacrificing, um, you know, the ultimate good. 
is it lost? No, it's not lost. What's the season where we lose uh, the Ranger to one of the Psycho Rangers? Um, That's Lost Galaxy, yeah. Okay, it's so, we lose the pink, pink Lost Galaxy. Right. Ranger. So like you have actual like things that occur that are going to directly affect the team in a specific Ranger. Like that Ranger is lost. Like we're that's a really good point. That, yeah. Um, with Mighty Morphin, with Tommy, and like losing his powers and, and all. This I think stuff, that takes like, it to like a next level. Like yeah. Um, yeah. So, and that's, that's a season I'm not very like fond of, like it's fine for what it is, but there are moments of that season where I think are very strong for storytelling elements. And, and that's like the prime example, right? Well, um, yeah, especially for me, it's especially the back half of the series. So the split, like basically right up to Scorpius's death, Scorpius and beyond is like where I feel like it was like, let's just lean into this stuff. And right. instead of, cause for me, like I said, in another episode, the first part leans too heavily on the Sentai footage um, compared comparatively to, I feel like what we got from like in space and whatever, I'd finally gotten used to them kind of branching out. But, um, but also I feel like to give it some note on that last galaxy is distinctively two parts, two halves of a book. And mm-hmm. I think there's not a lot of these seasons that feel like that, you know? Right. Um, so, I mean, do you have negative examples of storylines? Yeah. I feel like we've talked a lot about like positive ones, but like, are there prime examples? I think, um, for me, I know a lot of people like wild force and I know a lot of it is like, you know, a lot of people love Zords and that sort of stuff. I don't like it. I don't like it because also this is, this is the era where power Rangers really shifted into a lot of more CGI stuff. So a lot of the Zords became all mostly computer generated, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And, I just, I, you know, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later. I think when we talk about one of these other things is that, um, there's just something about the character's chemistry that didn't work for me during this season. Um, storyline wise, but also actor wise, you know? Um, and I, I feel like, Yes, I'm not disagreeing with people that the master org storyline about him basically being in love with Cole's mother and them searching for this animarium. And then he's like, oh, she rejected me. I'll murder the both of them. Like that storyline is really interesting and dark, but it's so specific. Like I'm not arguing that that one arc isn't like good because like I've said, it's like season six of Buffy for me. It's my least favorite season, but it has some of my favorite episodes in it. You know, it, it it's one of those, like the time force crossover phenomenal. The 10th anniversary is great. That episode where Cole finds out about the storyline with his mother and everything. That's a good episode, but the story overall, it's not good. It's not great. I, if you love it, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to do the thing, but it's an example of where it's, it's, Somebody had very specific idea and then it's like it couldn't be made broad enough, you know, like it, they couldn't fill in the other stuff. So a lot of the fluff just feels extra fluff. It feels extra like weak because it, it's not even like like time for us being like, OK, well, they're going to go back. So we've got this. And in the middle, we're going to find out you know, that they, they've changed the future and the other ranger is alive. So this is going to throw a big wrench into it because the pink ranger is going to be in love with this red ranger and now the other red ranger is alive. And then he's going to come back and like, what do they do? Do they go back or do they stay? You know, so it's got a midpoint. And then they also have, you know, the relationship with Eric and the quantum ranger. So it's like 
Wes has this own 2001 based storyline. They've got a 3001 based storyline and then it all gets like twisted around, but then the villains have their own storyline and then, you know, you, whatever it takes to get to the finale and everything. But it, it was so much that you're like, okay, it's not going to be that much to fill in these, the fluff episodes mm-hmm. and still make it feel like, okay, well there can be fun episodes. There can be some learning episodes. There can be whatever episodes. Wild force was just like, we've got an idea for like a couple of things, but we really don't, we don't know what to do after time force, you know, like we, we don't, we're not sure. And I think another example on the, on the inverse of this is that I feel like overdrive starts with a really good idea, like an interesting idea. I should say at least like with the Corona Aurora and like the, the gems and being like, okay, well you got this one guy who's a millionaire that's searching for it. And then you have these other two villain factions, you know, got the ice and the, and the heat miser and the cold miser. What's the cold miser? Snow miser. Snow miser. I always call him the cold miser. Um, and, um, you know, you've got these factions that are all, and that, you know, that is an, in, oh, I, I remember that started. I thought that's actually really interesting. Cause originally the show, I think was going to be called like relic hunters You're or like, something like Rankin that. And bass. This is really going to be really good. And then it's like, it just doesn't fulfill on that idea. It was like, it had a really good broad idea, but it couldn't fill in. It couldn't get in, in there and like fill in the middle stuff, you know? And then you got seasons where it's just like, I feel like mega force where it's a 20th anniversary season. They are going to have pirate suits and you don't say the word pirate once it, it, and every piece of armor and everything is super mega ultra, whatever. Like, you couldn't even name anything, anything you like. Well, it's like, it was mega mega force would be one of those where you'd be like, how that way. If I had ever seen that show, I'd be like, ah, that's when the show ended because they ran out of any idea whatsoever. Even when they were presented with footage of another anniversary season from its source material, they couldn't come up with, you know, anything beyond that they relied so heavily on the fact that these rangers were going to morph into other suits but they were like it doesn't matter what the story it it was like they just didn't care you know i think that's what a lot of the the series that we don't really have an affinity for is because it it's very evident that maybe the showrunners either didn't care or didn't care enough like because there's definitely people on the shows that were working at that time that would be invested and want to be putting forth like good content but there's also like other people who are in charge of like finances and they're like well we can do this cheaper and easier let's just do this oh we have footage for this let's just do this they feel formulaic they -hmm. feel like they felt like it was a group of people and there weren't as many people that were as passionate about it that weren't loud enough about it. And so they were like, okay, well, we're going to pump in this into the formula, this into the formula, this into the formula. Hmm. And, 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 and so there's no, it's, it's like, I, I, you know, it's like the devil wears Prada when she talks about the, how the color, the cerulean blue ended up in, the bargain bin, like it starts as the designer level and then it gets copied and it falls its way down until it's in this like $2, you know, this bin. And that's sometimes what I feel like power Rangers, like it's the people who don't take it seriously or don't care. And maybe they do care, but they don't, I don't, I don't know. There's just something well, there's missing. The idea of, like this formula that, that worked so well for so long and, 
other people trying to like emulate that or copy that there's um so the the james bond franchise right i've mm-hmm. been reading this book about like the the franchise in general and there's people that they're interviewing who are talking about how the people who are in charge of that franchise overall like these producers yeah like barbara broccoli yeah they found essentially a uh, a formula that they can work in how it didn't work for certain like 10 year spans, right? Like there Mm -hmm. were certain things that did and certain things that didn't. And it wasn't until like certain films where they were just like, Oh, we got it. And then they started to make money like hand over fist on, on those things. Um, But it feels like with power Rangers, they're trying to keep reusing the same formula or take a formula from like, yeah, almost 30 years ago and be like, this will work now. Right. And it doesn't. Well, and I think a big part of that, too, is that, you know, Power Rangers, the beauty of Power Rangers being still a thing is because it, it, it that moment, that moment, it, it, the reason why in space is so important is because it's the moment when the show is like, OK, backs up against the wall. What do we want to do? And they're like, well, let's do something crazy. Let's send them into outer space and let's yeah. make the like, let's finally nail the thing in and say that this is power ranger stretches beyond because zordon's from another planet rita's from another planet all this stuff comes from out there in space let's have the rangers go out there and look for it this time instead of waiting for it to come to them and that was our helmets they're spacesuits well and then and then like it it went from there where they're like okay well and you know i think they got nervous and so they're like all right well lost galaxy and they're like well space did great so let's kind of make another space season they're like well we don't have the footage to match up with that and they're like Okay, well, let's think how we can do that. And that was the thing is that I think they kind of they used to just be like, well, how can we do something that's like our own thing of it, you know? And it, I think when it excelled, it was always trying to be like, how much different can we make it than it was before? And in years of late, it's how much like what it used to be can we make it? Instead of saying, how different can we make it now? How can we make it so that somebody who is seeing this for the first time ever will be like, wow, Power Rangers, I never knew. Like, imagine RPM being your first season of Power Rangers and being like, and then going back and watching like Mighty Morphin. You'd be like, what the heck? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and that, I think that's a sh- that's the thing where it's like the Power Rangers franchise that people don't understand, that don't lean into that part of it. They need to lean into the thing that, Power Rangers found this weird sort of formula that it's not about how to make itself the same, but it's how to make itself adaptable to any situation you throw it in time travel, space travel, you know, government funded things, last Terminator, whatever, figure out, make it, you know, it's back to the future. It's Terminator. It's, it's whatever, you know, I don't, I feel like we got to move on from story though, but yeah, I mean like this, there's something to be said about the fact that like we've been able to talk for almost 20 minutes on just the idea of like story having such a prominent or lasting impact. So, um, and we've well, given I, you some like firm foundation ones and some I, not so firm. Well, and I feel like the saddest part of all of this is, is what I worry is that we've actually thought about it more than maybe people who are making the show. I mean, sometime. that's evident so um not not always i will say but um our next one is characters ken do you want to speak on characters sure uh so i feel like we talk about a lot of the same seasons consistently um and and there's a reason for that uh one of the ones that is one of my favorite is uh in space and there's two specific characters that i think um stick out to me from that 
Um, but Andros is going to be the first one. And this does tie into the story elements. And I think one of the things that we should kind of preempt a lot of this with is how do these characters work with the overall theming of the season, the story? It, is there mm-hmm. stuff ingrained in the story? Because we're not going to focus on like the acting side of things, because a lot of the time, if we're going to list them, they're pretty decent actors. But Andros is one of these characters where we haven't really seen previously this kind of like loner, mysterious character mm-hmm. that is that way for a decent chunk of time. Well, we had we had had the Phantom Ranger right before this. And and that was the first kind of dip into that. Like, it's a mystery. Who are they? You know, that's kind of the Gold Ranger shows up. Who are mm-hmm. they? What are they doing? But you learn. But Phantom Ranger was the first one we didn't learn. And then like Andros was like the first time we like really started off or we're like, wait, who's this? Like it was the first time where there was a Power Ranger right away right. where you're like, who's the wait a minute. Like the suit is seen within the first minute and a half of the season, mm-hmm. you know, and it's he's kind of has these like very mysterious elements mm-hmm. throughout a good portion of that that season. Um, and you then like find out why he is the way he is the kind of like baggage that he carries with him and you know the stuff with zane uh, as well as his sister like there's very specific elements that go into the makeup of why andros is the way he is and kind of how he has a specific character arc and a lot of my favorite characters within power rangers have some sort of like growth or development right yeah um and i think he is one of the prime examples of someone who has developed over their season to be something different or better than what they were when they started um, either through the kind of companionship or working together with the other Rangers um, or kind of like overcoming his own kind of hangups. Yeah. You know, what's another really good season about that. I feel like too, um, maybe it doesn't get enough credit for that is I think that Dino Thunder is really good with character growth. Cause like, if you look at where they are, like you have them all filling a very stereotypical role. You've got the jock, the, the kind of crazy girl and then the nerd, you know, right. right. Like the, the stereotypical, like kind of breakfast club characters. And, and they, they don't really get along very well in the beginning, you know, and then they kind of like get better as they go and that sort of thing. And it, it's. It's more than just you said before the episode started about how you were like, it's more than just being like, well, they're the red ranger. Mm -hmm. Well, they're the they're the green ranger. They're the black ranger. You know, they're the the pink ranger. They act this way, you know, and. um, And that's that's something like that needs to be stressed. The idea of like there are specific seasons that we touch on frequently where there is no character development. There's no character development to be had because there's no characters right it's just like this is the yellow one this is the red one this is the blue one you know that way because of the color of the clothes I mean, that they're wearing le- that's that is literally i feel like what megaforce was that's the unfortunate right. part it was it all i remember about them is a very they wore the same clothes all the time and you had red yellow pink blue black i mean i would argue the most enigmatic of these that group is the black and the silver ranger but but either way, go ahead. Sorry. No, I I mean, that's kind of the the characters that I care about are ones who kind of set themselves apart from just being the quote unquote red one. Right. Like Troy from Megaforce is the one that you and I talk about where it's just like, well, he's the leader of the group, so he has to be wearing red and he has to act a certain way or he he looks like he 
the actor is trying to act a certain way because he thinks he should because he's right. the Red Ranger. And I, I don't I don't really want to knock on the actor. I don't want I don't want anything I said to be anything against the actors. Like, um, you know, I know Sierra, um, Sierra Hannah. Hannah. Yeah. Is that like she is very like I feel like active in the fandom and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I'm not so it's not a knock on those people. It's a knock on the characters that were created for them. Well, that or the writing like there's yeah. the thing I said about Troy is the fact like he acts that way because it's probably what he was given in a script. Like, you know, have these kind of like it's so shallow, kind of, like, it's so stern. shallow. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that's the other thing to stress. Like a lot of the stuff comes down to like whatever the writers gave the actors to do. It's not the actors themselves. It's just like there's a lack of character because it wasn't written for them to do anything. Well, and, and, you know, going on what you're talking about too, I, I feel like we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't talk about like side characters. Okay. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, as we know, especially in the era we're in right now, it's not just the power Rangers. There's always some sort of like sidekick characters. And mm-hmm. I don't have, a big issue with sidekick characters. There have been seasons without them that are successful. The like, again, time force, who are the sidekick characters in that? It's Maybe just an owl, like a robot owl. That's don't it. you, don't you ever speak ill of circuit. Don't you ever speak ill of him uh, or her? Pretty sure it's a him. But anyway, um, I, I, my, like there's a way to do bulk and skull, right? And that is with it being Bulk and Skull. Okay. Um, and <laughs> even when Bulk and Skull were at their worst, when they're monkeys, um, that was terrible. But you know what? Like Bulk and Skull, when they're with Professor Phenomenus, that didn't actually bother me. Like there was some way that they came around. You know what I mean? And like when they weren't needed anymore for the storyline, like Lightspeed Rescue doesn't have sidekicks. Time Force doesn't have sidekicks. I would argue that in Ninja Storm, the sidekicks are the two daughters of um, the villain. Yeah, my gosh, his name is on the tip of my tongue and I'm forgetting it. I'm sorry. Um, I believe he passed away too, which is really sad, but, um, but like, and even in Dino Dino Thunder, they had they had Devin and um, the girl who was also from <laughs> from Ninja Storm, uh, but they were like they fit the story. She wanted to, it was like this morning show, and they were trying to be like real reporters. And they, you know what I mean? It wasn't like I feel like where they fail is like Victor and Monty, and like I don't hate the Beast Morphers two characters, but I feel like they teeter on this line of me being like, it's too over the top ridiculousness. Mm -hmm. Like why they don't have to come in and fart and then walk out. You know what I mean? And that's what I feel like they write this as it's fart humor. I I mean, Victor and Monty are literally always just farting. And then you have these two characters who I think are two people that I have popped up. I mean, especially the, the, the gentleman, I can't remember their names right now. I'm sorry. Um, He's popped up in like five or six shows I've been watching lately. It's probably just two, but I'm exaggerating. But, um, and, I, but like, I don't think that they're bad actors. I think that they're struggling where like somebody is writing them into every episode. They don't need to be in every episode because those side characters can make or break the show sometimes. And mm-hmm. like, it should fit the theme or the tone. Like the, I feel right. like Beast Morphers is a prime example of where like the overall tone of that show is walking a very fine line. And when you have those elements with those two characters, um, 
like there's the scene where they're kind of like inflated, right? And they're kind of like bouncing around or something. Am I remembering that right? Um, but like they're getting into hijinks because of whatever stuff that they're developing. Yeah, they're always right? trying to like develop something else. Yeah. So like it makes sense for what they're doing, but also for like a, a season that's not super jokey overall. Like you have these characters who kind of potentially bring down the overall feel of the sh- of that season. And then you have elements where like they're handled perfectly fine. Like there's the ones where like they're working with the like, dro- not the droid, the, the like robot sidekick ranger things. Steel. Um, oh, the, the beast bots. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember their names, but I can't remember the kids names. Um, Betty and Ben. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, if I can remember Victor, Victor and Monty's names, I, you I remember better remember Victor those Monty two because you hate. Victor they're Monty. so bad. I and and those guys, they're like, they're nice people. Their characters were, it, it, it was bad. Mm-hmm. It was it wasn't good. Like, who's that for? Because like, I don't like I don't like stuff like, and people can be like, this is a kid show and whatever, and I'm tired of that that being the fight because kids aren't stupid, okay. Um, there's a level to when like a fart can be funny. I'm not denying it can't be funny. And I'm the idiot that will laugh about it for forever, but it's not funny nonstop. It's funny when it's unexpected, not when it's the thing where it's here they come. Like, there they go. Great. They farted. Cool. I hate to keep saying farted, but they farted, farted nonstop. And the episode, this, this, the word to drink to, to this episode is the word fart. Fart. Um, but you, you know, you brought up Ernie too, being like a great side character. I think mm-hmm. um, Adele in um, in in space was great. Well, uh, just Adele. Period. <laughs> From the other side, um, I, but I love her moment because she says she's the Pink Ranger in that last episode of In Space, which is probably one of my favorite episodes of Power Rangers ever. But uh, you can call me the Pink Ranger. I just get like I start to cry. During that scene, I still to this day, I am such a baby when Bulk and Skull are like, we're the Power Rangers. And I'm like, this is a story arc. This is a character arc to its fullest extent right there. Mm-hmm. When the villains, then the the kids who were the bullies in the original season. And if you don't want to show bullying, then you don't need those characters. You know what I mean? Like, uh, anyway, let's move on because I'm getting angry. <laughs> All right. So I think and emotional. Next- <laughs> Next on our list is setting. Yes, I think setting is a big deal, right? Like, I think for a long time when Power Rangers started, it was always somewhere in California, right? It was just like somewhere there. And not to say that it, that didn't serve the setting. Angel Grove was important because that's where the command center was. But then when they finally moved past it, you know, you we went to like a setting of a, the Astro Megaship, to the Terra Venture, to uh, back to a, like a military base, to... Like, I mean, Time Force, the setting would be the time, the year. It's 2001. You know, Wild Forest, ugh, stupid Turtle Island, whatever. <laughs> Corinth. Corinth, you know, you have Corinth, you have the the Ninja Academies. You you know, I think Dino Thunder, when they're back in high school, is very deliberate that they're in high school. And also, they hadn't been in high school in a l- in a long time. Oh my gosh! Wait, in Dino Thunder, I don't think they'd been in high school since Mighty since Turbo. Turbo, yeah, they, like since Turbo. 
well in space technically they go to high school for like one or two episodes in the beginning and then they're like ah who needs school we're failing all of our classes because <laughs> yeah. we're not showing up we show up <laughs> once every like three months it's fine um our parents aren't asking where we are so why should our teachers who cares so i i feel like the setting again to it's I feel bad for like reiterating this, but the setting should tie into somehow the, the story overall or like the, the kind of maybe um, feel for the entire season too, because we were talking about uh, in the, the 15th anniversary one, how it had a very distinct like look and feel to it because of where it was. But I don't necessarily think that fits with operation overdrive. Like it's not, a no, specific no I would agree. That it's yeah. Made. Um, whereas with something like RPM, like Corinth mm-hmm. is a very deliberate choice. The, the, it's, it's, it's the setting in, it informs the, like the, you know, the store it's, I always say like the best type of a story or a, a movie or a show or whatever is when all kind of things are moving in the same direction. When you have, you know, when you have like your characters evolving when you have the story playing a part when the setting is something that supports the story you know when the music matches the whatever it's all these things that move in the same direction and and like you said in corinth is a good example because you know that that literally the setting is really the ink is it feels like what birthed the idea for the story Mm -hmm. you know and so the setting is very key to that you know and um, it's almost like where you could imagine the writers working backwards from that point. They were like, okay, we have a less, last vestige of humanity, a dystopian future. Now mm-hmm. what? Um, yeah. And it, I, I think, I think, uh, you know, like Terra Venture is a good one too, where they're like, okay, well we want to set in space again. And they're like, okay, well they weren't, they didn't do what I feel like they're doing right now on Nickelodeon. They weren't just like, oh, we want to put it in high school again. And they're like, okay, we'll just put them in high school. Who cares? We'll write the story around that when they said for lost galaxy, we want to put it in space where they're like, well, we can't just put them like, how do we put them in the same ship? Like you want that ship again? And they're like, yeah, but what does it mean? And they're like, okay, well, how about like to match our footage? Like how about we're sending a colony from earth out to a new planet and it gets like hijacked along the way. And like, and then they have to steal the mega, like they, all those things they chose, they, they started, they said, we want this setting to be here, but how do we make it interesting? Why is this the setting? You know? And I feel like when you look at something like Ninja steel, it's just because they wanted them to be in high school. Right. Right. It does other elements of a setting that could be potentially interesting, but then they don't do anything with it. Right. Like if you go back to the original idea, like they're in high school, like I kind of hate the idea of Power Rangers always being like teenagers, like they were teenagers in the first version. Yes. Okay. But more often than not, they have not been in high school. Hmm. Okay. And, and, you know, more often than not, they've been 20 to 30, you know, year olds. And I, I hate that idea it's just such a it's such a lazy thought about Power Rangers. The teenagers of high school. Oh, cool, cool. You know that one line that was uttered that time every week in 1993. You know that one line. Awesome, good for you. You know that one line from a, a show like that's been on the air for almost 30 years. How impressive! Like, you know, and and I, I don't know that something about that kind of always like I I I don't like if they're 
if high school is like when they're, I said it earlier in Dino Thunder, when they're in high school, it informs the story. They were like, we want this to be an episode because it's an episode, a season that's, that's, that's kind of an honoring of Power Rangers. It's about dinosaurs again. So we want to bring it back. So what we're going to do to make this extra special too, is we're going to bring back Tommy. Tommy's going to be the mentor and eventually be like a ranger again, which will be great. We're going to have them in high school, but we have to have this extra element to it. Where now they have a teacher and their teacher is the power ranger. And like, it made sense. It was like, Oh, this is great. But then later when they put them in high school, they're like, could they not think of anything? Like when they do it in mega force, it's just, it doesn't serve the story at all. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. I just no. And it, it is like a weird thing for, or it sounds like a weird thing for us to be like bummed out about. And that's pretty much all it is. Like we're not like super, super upset about it, but it's like a thing where we're bummed out or it's like, you could be doing so much more by just yeah. putting a little bit more of, of an invested thought into why these things take place here. What would make sense here? Um, Ken, are we Jason's dad from the power Rangers movie? Because you just said we could be doing so much more. He could be so much more. That's what he overhears when he's in the bedroom and he snaps the trophy in half. Sorry. What a deep cut I just made. (laughs) Punch Jim. Um, (laughs) And then he punched Jim. uh, I lost my train of thought. Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to derail you. but um, No, it's like what you said. It's it's not. There's a bunch of people that make up like uh, who sit down and say, okay, what's next? You know, mm -hmm. and it feels like. When they just like throw, I'm not saying that there can't be seasons that are set in high school. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when you just lazily set it in high school for no reason, other than capitalizing on nostalgia, you're dis you're you're kind of spitting in the face of those people who made these decisions before. Like if you're if you're doing it for nostalgia purposes, maybe get away from high school because people hated high school. That's a really good point, too, actually. Well, I didn't hate high school, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Anyway, we can't we can't all be homecoming king. Just me. Um, I was homecoming king in case that wasn't clear. And here I am, 35 years old, still talking about it. It's not a lot going on in life. (laughs) But which one of us was able to put a down payment on a house? It wasn't me. (laughs) So, kids, listen to the other one. Um, But. Well, let's move on to another thing that you you brought this one up to the next one. You said you said that villains it plays a really strong part in what makes a character, and you know, and you could throw this under or character. What makes a uh, a great season of Power Rangers? But you could throw this under characters. But I do feel like this is kind of like its own little. It is definitely. There's no question that villains are such a memorable part of the Power Rangers legacy, right? Or at least they should be. I, I mean, there's no question that some of them should be more more than they are. And like, you know, I, I there's nobody who doesn't know, like, I feel like Rita and Lord Zed, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, but like, there's some people where you're just like, I love Diva Talks because she's so ridiculous. But also, I think that's how she is in real life. And I think that's why it's hilarious. And then mm-hmm. but then like you have you, you know, there aren't just like I would say that Diva Talks fix fits in with like a Rita villain, very over the top. You know, um, I, I mean, honestly, I think Diva Tox is probably a villain of her own. She'd probably fit in with. Um, all right. I have to look it up because I can't remember his name. And now this is the second time we've said it from Ninja Storm. 
Um, but you know how he was kind of like funny too. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know. Like the, it's not one of those things where like Lothar, I knew, how can we not remember that freaking Lex Um, Luthor, (laughs) but (laughs) it's spelled differently. Uh, the idea of like a, a villain character, like they don't always have to have this very specific, like end goal, like purpose for doing what they're doing. A lot of the times it is much more interesting when they have a very specific reason to be the way that they are. Why are you the way that you are? <laughs> yeah. um, this is our office podcast. Uh, but like astronomer is a very specific one with her. You're also tying into the idea of like a clip door, like those. Well, two- yeah, that, uh, that season's got so many layers because you have the monarch of evil with uh dark specter. And then, like you just said, the ecliptor, the relationship between ecliptor and astronomy being that like father daughter. But then you also have Darkonda that steps into the side, too. There's a whole lot going on there just with the villains. And it's all interesting and it's stuff you can follow and want to be invested in because you're getting invested in those characters at, aside from just like your main rangers. Right. You're so used to just yeah. following the rangers. But the villains have these kind of very specific uh, tonal shifts well, and, and things to and, follow through. Yeah, and 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 depth, I would say, because mm-hmm. like you know, Rita and Zed. Not to say that they didn't have storylines, because we had like the wedding, you know, and Master Vile, and when like Rito shows up, you know, they did give them a little bit of a storyline, but they were always kind of once that started happening, it was kind of. I mean, Master Vile was scary, but like, you know, like I'd say Rito and the wedding were kind of like on the goofier side of things, right? You know? And they can then fun. Astronoma like, was the first example of a villain that's like, this is a sad kind of Shakespearean villain almost, mm-hmm. you know? It was very like, she is somebody that was taken and mind erased. And and to say a villain is an obsolete character that doesn't feel love is incorrect because like you just said, Ecliptor and Astronoma. Mm-hmm. Or or I'd even go further and then they carry that through to uh, Lost Galaxy with Scorpius and Trachina because mm-hmm. her, her arc becomes revenge for the destruction of her father. And then she becomes the villain that he wanted her to be when she did not want to be that earlier on, you know, and it's, it's an interesting thing. I got to rewatch lost galaxy. I think, I think we're going to have to do that together because you keep bringing it up how you don't love it. But I'm like, maybe we should rewatch that one. You're like, he says he doesn't love it, but he's bringing it off way more than everybody else. Um, I mean, you also talk about Rancic a lot as like a character, um, yeah, in in how that ties directly to the overall season, um, and I I think like how those villains work. Say for instance, like the Vengex one. Like I can only go so far with my knowledge of Vengex, but I specifically remember like how it ties particularly into like the Doctor K stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, and how that's revealed, and kind of like how heartbreaking that is, and that is kind of like informed built on this stuff that already exists with the, the, the villain arcs, right? Um, well, it, it's like they created each other, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, the, it's like, yeah, what you said, it, it wasn't the villain didn't create the power Rangers, which I feel like in many cases is the case. You know, we have the power Rangers because they're there to stop the villains, but it was in fact, the good guys that created the villain that then created its escalation, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's a never ending cycle. And that's, what's interesting is that, time force addresses the cycle you know you, sorry go on go on no no go, 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 go no no you go i mean i was going to just go off of that and then tie into like how 
those characters like that we have already established, like might tie into things like, you know, with Dino Thunder, you have Mercer being. Oh, yeah, I think that's so, a great example, like ingrained in very specific elements like yep. he's his son is eventually a ranger or you have his connections to Tommy. Right. Um, and I think Mercer's like one of those great examples of how it just keeps getting worse kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, Mercer comes off and he's like a jerk, but then he's got that. He's got a mystery about him where he like, he's worked with Tommy and, but he's kind of like a jerk to Tommy. And then, and then it's like what you said. And then Trent shows up and then Trent ends up being the Donathan away. And then Mercer, we know is the, is Mercer is uh Mesogog and, um, but then you're like, well, Mercer doesn't want to be Mezogog either. So it's this kind of, it, it, there's a lot of depth to that. You know, there's a lot, there's, it's its own compelling story all alone without it tossing in like the Rangers, but it ties into them. So it's kind of like, how do they play into the story overall of the season? And how do they tie to a specific Ranger? They don't always have to tie into a Ranger specifically, because like we said, like Rita, you know, you brought up before the show about Zed versus Rita. Where you actually like we th- we talked about it that Rita has we feel like more motivation with her fight toward the Rangers than Zed does. Zed steps right. in because he's like Rita's boss, but then we find out later it's actually you know Dark Spectre that's the main boss. But it's that like Rita's got these ties to Zordon, where like Zordon's the one that put her in that dumpster, like tricked her and all this stuff and. But then like Zed, we remember Zed because of how like scary he was and, you know, how how like cool and ominous he was. And so, you know, it can be it can be like you said, Vengex kind of has that heartbreaking thing where it was something created by the good guys, you know, in space, having Astronema have that kind of past with the Rangers that, you know, with Andros and Anton Mercer. And then, um, you know, I. I think we had for a bad example, we had uh Grum yeah. from SPD, SPD because, because I only like remember what he looks like. It's not really like I remember what his main goal was other right. than like destruction. I, I feel right? like that's a lot of the stuff. Like we couldn't list the villains for specific seasons. Even if we like the seasons, I love SPD. Um, it's one of my favorite seasons, but I could not for the life of me think of the villain. I could picture what he looked like, but I couldn't picture what he was, what his motivation was. And then yeah. like, the thing that sticks out of my mind is the team of evil Rangers. And I use that to explain to you. I'm like, well, this yeah. is a prime bad example because if you have a one to two episode arc and those characters, those villains are much more uh standout than anything else. Like right. you're potentially doing something wrong or doing a disservice to your villains. Well, and the oh. counter example to that is like, let's look at in space. Okay. Five evil power rangers. You have the psycho rangers. Mm-hmm. They didn't overshadow astronomer. They didn't overshadow. Uh, astronomer was not overshadowed by dark specter or ecliptor or dark conda. They had rangers in here that had uh, rangers. They had villains in here that had very specific things. And the psycho rangers could very easily have overweight all of that, you know? Right. And it, it, it's, it's about a balance, you know? And, I, I SPD is interesting because I feel like the things you, I remember most about SPD is like, wow, this is kind of the first, not the first time, because I guess the Ninja Academy is training Power Rangers. But, you know, it's back to that. Like, it's like Lightspeed Rescue, but in the future with like aliens involved. It, it's like, what would that look like further evolved, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like the villain in that 
that version is kind of the villain is the back burner. Right? right. Yeah. And I'm I'm curious what they do with Beast Morbers with Blaze and Roxy. Like they they kind of fall under that kind of um lieutenant, right? Of yeah. of characters. The, the Goldar, the Squat and Babu, whatever. And I feel like they're interesting because they have a very specific tie to the Rangers. There's, you know, a reason why there should be some sort of dichotomy there or kind of conflict. Um, mm-hmm. But you also want there to be a resolution with those characters because of, you know, whether it's like Roxy's ties to the to the Blue Ranger. Rav? Is that yeah. OK. Um, and like you wanting to have like. I mean, I'm fine with Blaze just continuing to be a bad ranger because he looks cool. Um, but it's his highlights. There's a specific reason why those characters work. <laughs> yeah, it's highlights. Villains. I just said it. <laughs> um, uh, especially like there, that might be the longest running like evil ranger thing so far. Like, how many episodes are we potentially in? No, I know. I'm. I'm. I mean. I mean, by the time we're recording this, I think we're like probably like third. Well, because it's two seasons, right? So 22 in the first season, they're about 10 episodes into the second season right now. So nine episodes or so. So I don't don't remember how long certain like. Well, Tommy was definitely not evil for that long. No, he had like a five episode arc or six. I mean, Um, Trent was pretty was evil for a good chunk, but not like forever. Like, so. I mean, you're right. This is the first time there's, they've kind of made like a really stagnant like version of a Power Ranger that's an evil ranger for a long time. And Other I than, um, uh, well, but we didn't know he was a ranger sort of a thing uh, from Mystic Force, the dad. Oh. I forget, it, it, like, he doesn't really morph until the last episode. And then you're like, oh, it's a morpher. Okay. I didn't realize um, he was morphing into that. Well, suit. I'm curious because like, I, I haven't watched much of like the, the next season, but I'm, I'm wondering cause they were supposed to be like quote unquote reformed, but they're also playing with the idea that maybe they're not, or like who's supposed to be reformed. The Roxy and blaze. Like I thought they, like, no. at, the, at the end of season one, they were supposed to be like, um, well, I don't know where the act, like the Roxy and blaze regular people are, but the avatars are still evil. Right. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious how they, will keep that going like because if they keep it going that might be the like they might have the baton for the entirety of it for evil rangers um yeah well let's let's move on to the the last the last thing that we kind of have written down here which is the aesthetic of the season what that's that's kind of like an all-encompassing thing it's the suits the zords the base you know what's the what's what are the what are the uh, henchmen look like feel yeah, you know, like I always think like do you remember what they fought as the putties, the quote unquote putties of that season, you know? Like what do the suits look like? I feel like that plays a big part visually. But sometimes it's like you come to love the suits because you love the season. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt about Time Force. I remember the first time I saw the Time Force suits, I was like, yuck. Uh and then I was like, oh my god, I love these. And now I love it because when I see them, I'm like, oh, I love the season. Never again do I want them to have the colored visors, but I still love it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I guess Trent has the red visor, but it's like and then I also think Zords is kind of a part of it too. Like I, as much as I'm not a big Zord person, and that's why I think like Time Force is one of those things where they just kind of have the Megazord. Like they're separate Zords, but it doesn't really matter. They're never really separate that often like barely ever in the show but like then you have like a season like wild force which is like oh we have seven thousand animal zords right i i mean that's one of the things that i had my earlier notes where i 
Zords played a bigger part in this when I was younger, mm-hmm. but also like they're the visual identifiers that I would have for a specific season because I'm a huge Godzilla fan and kind of like Ultraman, all that stuff. And so like giant robots should be right in my wheelhouse. But after Mighty Morphin and into like with the Astro Megazord, I didn't care about Zords at all because it gets into that kind of like CGI aesthetic, right? For a lot of it. Um, or like when they use it, like it just is either gaudy or like seems chunky or too much like a toy. Uh, and it's just trying to like pedal a gimmick and I don't I don't yes. have any affinity for it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I hate that. I, I get that everything's going to be a toy, but, it, you know, we talked about this in another episode. There's a thing where, like, sometimes it comes off like every episode has a new toy. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, what's what is this even? Like, in my and I know it's not always going to be Mighty Morphin, where, like, they basically had their weapons, their zords, that was it. There was no new thing. Like they, that, that, like I miss those days where that was like, okay, there's a story here and they have to do the story, you know? And then there have been seasons and I don't think beast morphers is like that necessarily, but there have been seasons where I'm like, Oh my God, every episode, there's a new thing. Some of the later Disney seasons are like that. Well, like, I feel like the prime example of that is like mega force, super mega force. So they were selling the Ranger keys for the like actual gimmick. Right. Um, and I loved the idea of seeing like old, like classic Rangers, but I hated just the gimmicky nature of it to the point where they were just using that to sell that product. And I feel like the Zords fall into that a lot. Like it's like, oh, well, it's this, but it also does this, or it's only going to be done to do this. Like it shoots like these balls out or something like, I don't know. Um, the, the overall aesthetics, I think you're right with the, the suits, because a suit that is poorly designed can turn me off for an entire season. Well, and I think there's a something to be said about like a season that says, okay, let's take a look at what, because you know, there's, there's no skirting around it. Power Rangers uses the source material, but they either choose to stick closely to that story or a story inspired by, or they just say, you know what? I look at this. I think we can do our own season, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I I like when they're there's something about it when they're more creative with it. I think either when it's lightly inspired by or when they're back to the corner, and they're like, let's just do whatever we want to do, because I think they get more creative to to be able to use the stuff that's at like it's not that I don't like what the source material is about. It's that it forces them into like a corner. And when somebody's forced into a corner, a lot of times they'll be, end up being more creative than if they had complete creative freedom. You know, the absence of limitations is the enemy of art is what, um, my God. Oh, you sounded so intelligent and it's Orson Welles. Yeah. Oh my God. I am so sorry. I I can literally see his face in my mind. And I was like, I should have let you just flounder for like, I know. I appreciate it. No, I had already started Googling it. So it's okay. I, I know who said it. I just didn't, I couldn't remember his name for that second, but, but no, I, that's, I, I am a firm believer of that, that they, the absence of limitations is the enemy of art because I feel like when you are given a limitation, it is that limitation that sparks creative, you know, thought like creative endeavor, all that sort of things. And 
I think there's something kind of beautiful in that relationship between Power Rangers and Sentai that like, rather than people saying like, oh, well, did you see the Sentai? It's kind of like, well, why don't you appreciate them separately, you know, and just say like, there's something about it. It's the symbiotic relationship where something can be entirely different, but it's still feeding off of the same thing. I don't know. Uh, and well, I mean, like Mega or not Megaforce um, in space is a prime example of that. I love the in space storylines and stuff, but the 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 actual Sentai season is insane to watch because it all ties into like video game stuff, which is like one of my other passions. So the idea of like having this Sentai that follows into this and like a lot of their visual like choices are tied into that and it makes so much more sense when you see some of like the the footage being used in America but I appreciate them both separately like I don't want that video game stuff well, thrown into in space it, yeah and it's funny that you you bring in space as the example too because there's something like stuff I've seen before where in space is a great example of where it wasn't just about selling the toys it was also about creating a good product and and because in in the in space and the Sentai version of that, the Mega Ranger or um, whatever it was called, um, they have like shields that the each Ranger wore on their chest. We didn't get that in the in the American version. We never got a toy for the Red Ranger's uh, spiral saber either. So like it wasn't just about toys. You know what I mean? It was kind of about being like a hand in hand story where you're like the two can inform each other. Right. And, you know, and, and then that also they that's that's a great example of another thing where they decided like, OK, well, this is going to be a space season. This looks like it's space to us. So let's we're going to commit to turning this into space. So we have these suits. We have this Zord that looks like a spaceship, you know, and that's going to be their base. And we what's what do we come up with for a villain? And like, well, we've got this one cool villain with a great and they're like, OK, well, he's not the main villain. What's the main villain? What's the hook? Like, all right, well, let's make this one like the Empress of Evil, you know, like let's make her the, you know, the 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 Princess of Evil, like, and you're like, okay, like that's where it it really thrives, or it kind of all comes together, you know, and and I, I hate, I don't want to keep saying it, but Time Force is another one of those things where they're like, okay, it's gonna be time, and they're like, well, they're not traveling through time the whole time, so how do we? Why is this interesting? And you're like, well, it's it's like a fish out of water story, you know, it's about. They're all Aquaman. This, they're what? They're, they're all, all Aquaman. They're all Aquaman. Yeah, they're all Aquaman in that season. But who's profound um, now? I mean, yeah, your quote was close to mine. <laughs> uh, but no, and and I think there's uh, there's something to that. You know, I there's no there's no question, and I know we have continually brought up the same good and the same bad, and then you know throughout this, but there's no question that Super Mega Force was a waste of an aesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. they had a ship that was a pirate ship. They had costumes that were pirate costumes and they chose not to do anything about that. I am sorry. That is the, I, I will never not see that as being one of the largest wastes of a storyline in power Rangers history, and especially how they handled it being the anniversary as well. And really very like meh about all of it. So I, I feel like those are examples of when you can both turn. Like, I mean, even Samurai being the first season to be like, okay, well, we're literally not even going to re- really rewrite the episodes. It's going to be a straight adaptation of the series for the first time ever, you know? And then being like, eh, it doesn't really work that way. Right. I don't feel like it worked that way. I don't know how you felt about it, but. I never finished it, if that's any indication. 
I don't love it. I don't know. I just, I, it's another one of those things where it kind of hits on the other stuff where it's like the characters or whatever. I didn't want to say actors here because I don't really want to go against anybody, but there is something to be said about the chemistry of it all. The chemistry mm-hmm. of the actor with the characters and how they all interact is that I remember the switch from time force to wild force and just feeling like they didn't all mesh as well as time force had meshed together. Like, I feel like when you watch like the original mighty, the original five of mighty Morphin, there's something about it where you're like, they feel right. All of them feel right. You know? Well, they used to do like those giant cattle, like casting calls, right? Like you, you listen to any of the stuff, um, the Johnny and Bosch or like Steve Cardenas would talk about, like when we were at, um, was it Ranger stop? They were talking about that at their, their panel. Like the, they got the roles because they were at these like casting calls and they would have to come back. And there was like, you know, hundreds of people, thousands of people. And then the next day they would come back. There was like, you know, only a hundred. And then the next day they'd have to come back. There's only 50. Like, I don't know if they still do it that way. Right. And I feel like there's this idea of like, they're testing with each other and they're kind of like testing these actors with their, a, their like physical prowess, their abilities and their kind of like charisma and then testing them with, these kind of different combinations of people. And I don't know if they still do that. Like they, they might have these like smaller singular uh, one-on-one castings, right. Or do they have like agencies that they work with specifically and they don't necessarily like have them all work together prior to the actual show. So that's why you run into a lot of the times where like there are entire teams of Rangers where they at the beginning or at least at the offset, they just don't work. Um, and they may get there eventually, but yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. It's, it's just like, I, it, 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 you know, you hear the stories about how they, how many pilots they filmed for the original show, you know? Mm -hmm. And then they still, in the end, we're like, we, we have them all except for like one. We need to, I think we need to change the yellow ranger, you know? And that's, that's that chemistry is it does come alive. And then there are other seasons where you're just like, map, they just kind of, like pick them. Sometimes I feel like they were like, Oh, we went through a model catalog and we picked them all. And so you're like, I bet none of them are friends in real life. You know, I want to know that they're all going to be like, some of them will be like, we love each other and we're like best of friends or whatever. And I know that's not how it's always going to be, but it's kind of what you want though. Right. I don't know. And you like, even for like some of the seasons where like we talked about, like not believing the characters, like Megaforce is a prime example. Like we know that, or at least I know, like, three of those rangers are fairly close. Like they are friends. And that is one of those things where I'm like, okay, but those are also the three characters that I think are at least more fully developed on that season. Are you talking yellow, pink and black? Uh, and I was also thinking the silver ranger. So maybe four. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, the blue one seems friendly with everyone. I don't know. It's weird. Cause sometimes you'll see them paired off in different conventions and stuff like that. I did yell out a car window once to, uh, Sierra Hannah and I didn't say anything rude. I just was trying to be nice. I was like, I love you. Even though I was like, this is a bold face lie, um, about her character. And she just was not very nice to me. So I remember being like, I mean, hi, but also I was a guy yelling out, yell at me out the car window. Well, I I wasn't like I was like, "Hey, sexy!" I want I I want to be like, "I'm gay." Like, <laughs> yeah. How many times did you have to drive back? back I just I just kept circling. That's probably why she didn't I react well. To... This is the I fifth time I've driven by. Don't feel weirded out or anything, Mama. Yeah. 
Please don't call anyone. Um, well, that's what we have down. We have story. So those are those are what we feel like are the quintessential building blocks of what take what it takes to make like a great season of Power Rangers. You've got story, characters, setting, villains, and of course aesthetic you know how how you choose to take all of those different blocks and roll them together you know that, that, that roll blocks you do roll blocks you do roll box baby till those corners get nice and dull and then they're all circles and they mush together like a giant That's thing how of Play-Doh. You get lincoln logs boom boom What's build that yourself that cabin so that you can say i can't even remember the word anymore hold a no it wasn't cultivating no it was like you said these were the five integral 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 you still integral. not <laughs> these are the five internal in- seagulls in- internal seagulls that take up to make a french fries on the beach of power rangers um no so if we missed kind of one of the broad strokes we'd love to hear what you have to say about it so you know we've got social medias um you can send us an email at podcastrangers at gmail.com not a single human being has done that yet and i keep hoping I didn't make the email for no reason, but it's free. So whatever. Uh, or, you know, um, there's the Twitters and the Instagrams and they're the same podcast Rangers. And, uh, we'd like to hear back from you or if you are, well, I guess if you're listening to us, that's how you would leave the comment. If you're, I sometimes put these on YouTube. So if you're watch listening to this, leave a comment, I guess in the comment section, I don't think many people do that though. Um, but anyway, thank you, Ken, for having this discussion. Hey, thank you for having me here. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. You're welcome. Thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you. Oh, my God. I can't. Okay. Well, I'm going to go cut my tongue out. Uh, huh. No. I will become an AVOX from The Hunger Games. I just finished reading that book, so it's on my mind very this much. But, timely. Um, I know I've just dated this. It wasn't even the Hunger Games. It was the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. It was the new one. But uh, well, thank you and everyone out there for listening. Uh, We will be back with another episode of Podcast Rangers.